Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Tony V, a local legend of the Boston comedy scene headlining steadily and keeping up with the new kids since Stand Up first stood out in Boston in the 1980s. His first big break came wrestling with suitcases as the American tourist or gorilla. His first on-screen turn as himself, co-starring with his longtime friend Bobcat Goldthwaite in One Crazy Summer. His more recent credits include Showtime's Brotherhood, FX's Louie, and the big screen hit The Heat. His scene in that was so funny, he was asked back by Paul Feig and Katie Dippold for one more even crazier summer in the upcoming new Ghostbusters movie. No spoilers! So let's get to it! Things I know stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but, but, you know. Well, you're Tony V. Yeah, right. I guess, right. So, so thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I, I was shocked when you said you wanted to... I thought we were going to talk about Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always no. had. No, yeah. I've always had fond memories of you. Right. Well, good. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. In fact, you know, part of my own origin story as a renegade internet reporter of comedy right. goes back to you. Uh, host here. We're here at the comedy studio in, in Cambridge. Right. In the luxurious confines of. The, it's not a green room. It's not it's, even a green room. It's where they stack the chairs. But uh, <laughs> ten years ago, it must have been now. In, 2005 you do you still host the christmas show holiday yeah, show i'm part of it i i no longer can i can't helm it anymore it's just too it's it's too much but you were hosting and somehow we came up with the bright idea because i was writing about comedy on the internet right. that i would do commentary on, on the, the show. show oh i remember this yes and then you would find out that we were that I was, I was commenting right. on the show while the show was happening. Right, right. Now, you were in the back of the room. I was in the back of the room. And I think the Wallace brothers were involved. Yes. Yes. So, but, how, right. But you have to remember, listeners of 2015 or 2016 See, or right. 2020, Whatever this that is. in 2005, you didn't have Twitter or Facebook. So we didn't actually have the technology for me to do live commentary. No. You were you were just type. Were you type? Were I was typing. I was typing. typing yeah. But then we had to like call it in. Right. Right. But now, but then, man, it, we are so cutting edge. That is, I mean, that's so we were ahead, ahead of the of curve. Time. Right. Because Wait. you know, you would have live tweeted it, and you could look at your phone at the Twitter. Or now, probably you would Periscope would be the thing. Right. You know? Periscope is like the first time I ran into Periscope. Um, was I did the I was doing the Great American. Comedy Festival this past year in Nebraska. In Nebraska, which is very exciting, the entire state is just a ball of excitement. Uh, but that was the first time I had ever heard about Periscope. We were having dinner a bunch, mm -hmm. lunch a bunch of us, and somebody said, "Let's Periscope this," and I was like the crazy old man, and well, you know, and then. Within, I, I think within 30 seconds, we were talking to somebody in Australia. <laughs> you know, somebody, and I go, you know, who in Australia could possibly be interested in any of this? But then by that, by like 10 minutes in, there were, 
I think there were 300 people yeah. on board or something. Like it was it was insanity. <laughs> uh, do you still Periscope now or no? No, I don't even. I mean, I if somebody says Periscope, mm-hmm. like we did a uh, I did a show uh, down the Cape mm-hmm. at the end of the summer, and I did an interview with somebody who was doing it on Periscope. Okay, and that was that was pretty interesting. One of the things I've long admired about you is that out of all of the OG original Boston yeah, yeah, comedy yeah. crew, you're the you're the guy who has kept up with what's going on oh, trend wise. Yeah, oh you gotta. I mean you ha- I mean I I mean I, listen, I I think you know, I think you're only as good as your last gig and mm-hmm. if and it's really a young person's game. I mean the fact that the so many of us still even eking out a living you know those of us that who didn't you know quote on you know become national right you know huge you know louis and billy burr and you know dennis larry and in you know people like that from here and stephen wright if you don't make that level the fact that we could still make a living is astounding to me <laughs> you know and i keep waiting for it to to stop but it it doesn't seem to you know what i mean and i think part of that is you know you got to keep up right. you got to you know if I, you know, I have some, I know some people who are still, you know, it's like, man, you've been doing that since 87, you know, that, that bit. Oh, right. You you know what I mean? It's like, okay. There were so many comedians who could get away with that before the internet made all of this easy to track. Right. It's instantaneous. And, and I mean, it's, I think, you know, there was, um, I don't want to I just recently I caught one of uh, you know Amy Schumer and uh-huh. and um, uh, doing uh, uh, Patrice O'Neill bit uh-huh. you know and, and it was the the sex things the yeah. you know the dirty Sanchez and the this and that and they go and I can't believe she would take you know and my first thought was they both ought to be ashamed of themselves for doing that as a bit on television right you know what I mean so that, things that are just like. You know the, the, the basic premises. Basic premises that that are basically street jokes. That guy, yeah. you know, we stand around, and all of a sudden now it's 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 worthy of television. Yeah. You know, the, I, was, I find that very <laughs> odd that that's the thing you're gonna go to bat for. You know, not, you know, not the, hey, don't rape anybody yeah. or or you know equal rights. It's I can't believe this doing the same stupid sex <laughs> jokes. You know, and I go, there's so many people and, and, you know, you get a you're doing TV and that's, you know, that's what you're doing. Right. (laughs) You know, I I go, okay, I'm wrong. I mean, that, that's the other thing it made me believe. I I don't know anything about what we do. You know what I mean? So I just, I keep, well, you know something. No, no. I, here's what I know, what I do. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I know. Well, and you're able to, you're able to make a good living. You're, I, yeah. I see you in TV and in the movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I do. Right. I, <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. It's you were it, in the trailer and then in the actual, in the actual movie, movie for right. the heat for not much longer than I was in the trailer, by the way. But still, it was a good. It, it was a good bit. Right. It was. Yeah. It was a night. You know, they were. Very, I. I saw. It, I, uh, I. I. I'll put this as delicately as I can without mm-hmm. giving anything away because I'm not supposed to. Right. But I recently. saw saw on another project the person who wrote that okay and i was walking by her yeah and she said hey you played the cop 
in the heat. And I yeah. said, yes, I did. Thank you. And she said, I wrote it. And I said, well, thank you for writing that. You know, and she wrote the scene. We, right. we had lived a whole lot of it. But, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I go, you know, I was in the trailer and not much. She goes, oh, it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And I go, well, that, there you go. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. The person that right. actually envisioned it, you know, that's what I envisioned. And so. you can't talk about this because you are the fifth Ghostbuster? <laughs> No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I am not. I will say this. I am not the fifth Ghostbuster. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't like this. I don't like to talk about things before they happen. Right. Because you don't know what could happen. Right. They, you don't You don't know. I mean, you could be a thing and then and then but you get cut. You know, we can't do the thing. <laughs> right. When was the first time you were in a thing, but then you were cut out of it? Uh, the. Uh, because that's a that's an experience yeah, that's that you remember. First. Well, I tell you this: this is this is the one, and I think, uh, I, I, th I, you know, I've done some things where there was more of it. Okay. And then you know it didn't quite end up being quite as big, but the 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 best one, and I just got a residual check, mm -hmm. is a movie called The uh, Edge of Darkness, the okay. Mel Gibson thing. It was gonna be his. His comeback movie after he he snapped, yeah, and they filmed it in in and around Boston, and I got a call to be a bartender in the scene. Uh, I was watching my daughter's soccer game, and then they called me out into the western part of the state. Mm -hmm. You know, like like you got to be here in two hours, and so okay, you know, I got in the car and I drove to where I had to be, and they go, okay, we're not shooting tonight, we're shooting tomorrow morning, and I go, fine. They put me up in a hotel, and. Uh, uh, they go, okay, we'll pick you up at 8. And I go, okay, 8 o'clock comes. We're going to pick you up at noon. I go, fine. 3 o'clock, we're not picking you up. Yeah. And I go, okay. And then 5 o'clock, you can go home now. Fantastic. So I never filmed. I never even filmed, but they're sending me checks. <laughs> I just got a check for like $35 for, for basically driving you know, out out to so Springfield. So is your name? Is that because your name's in the credits, or? Be, yeah, because I'm on the call sheet, and they, you know, they I, I technically got paid for the work for right. the day that I huh. they didn't use me. That's that's a great gig. Yeah, it's sweet. Right, it's it's sweet. <laughs> you know, how does how does this life compare to what you imagined for yourself when you were a kid? Oh, when I was a kid, I could never ever have imagined this, and even when I started. You know, it, it's funny with me. It's it, it was it's always been, uh, you know, like like when I first started comedy, all I wanted to do was be, you know, considered one, you know, a Boston comic. You right. know, that's what the goal was, to be, you know, you know, to to exist in this on the same plane as a lot of the guys that I looked up to, which were my first, you know, influences in, in comedy. And then after that, it was to headline. You know the comedy connection. If I could headline the comedy connection, that'd be the best thing that could ever happen. And then, you know, then you do that, and then you go, all right. If I can get on stage in New York, then that'll be the best thing. You know. And then I ended up like for for about a year and a half being the house MC at Catch a Rising Star, and I go, though this is great. You know. And then, you know, and then you get your first little taste. Of, you know, the first time I do Conan, I go, ah. Oh, I did Conan O'Brien. That's the best that could ever happen, you know. And then, so everything is is the first, you know. Right. Everything is the best to me. I, I've always done it that way, where, you know, I, I, you know, 
when it, I and I believe that it's like my I joke my wife and I joke about this all the time. I'll go out to a restaurant. I go, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. You know, and she go, well, you said that the last time. I go, well, up until then, that was the best thing right. I ever eaten. You know what I mean? Now this is, you know, because you hadn't eaten that because I had I hadn't had that. No, no, right. Now that I've had this, and I, it's not that that's not good, but now right. this is the best thing ever. Is that is that the best argument for marriage, though? I think so. <laughs> I think so. You're the best wife. Yeah, it's the best wife ever. <laughs> the best wife I'm ever gonna have. Until the next. Yeah, hey, hey, well, another one comes along, and <laughs> she'll be the best one because I'll no longer be with you. But uh, did you have a dream of something else before comedy? Uh, yeah, no, I was. You know, I had a whole nother life. I mean, I don't know how this the whole thing happened. I was not one of those guys. I, I never thought of do. I always loved comedy. I mean, like mm -hmm. from when I was a kid, I can remember. You know, I, you know, and I remember. You know, the Tonight Show back to. Uh, you know, to um, Jack Parr and and Steve Allen. I mean, when I was very young, right. but I can remember sneaking out at night and you know, wa you know, peeking through the TV room mm -hmm. while my parents were watching, you know, those shows. And I always loved comedy and you know, like W. C. Fields and 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 the Marx Brothers and you know the class, you know, old old class. I I just love that, you know. Uh, Three Stooges, not so much, but I, you know, I certainly got them. You know what I mean? I understood them. Right, it's a know. love or hate. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Not I mean, it's different not, to the Stooges. No, 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 no. Uh, so, so why didn't you think comedy could be for you? Well, because you know, I grew up a working class guy here. You know, in, in the Boston area, I grew up in Somerville, just outside of Boston. You know, my dad was a welder and a and a maintenance guy, and then the custodian. Uh, my mother worked in a shoe factory and then, you know, sort of, you know, uh, started being a teller in a bank, you know, which was like the classiest job you could have, you, you know. You dress and, up nice for that. Yeah, you dress up nice for that and you go to work every day and, you know, and my mother was, was you know, a kick-ass woman. She was way ahead of her time, you know, and actually rose to, with no education, rose to being the um, uh, assistant vice president of a local bank, I mean, which was like crazy to me, but you know, you know, and I think for that generation to you know have lived through the depression and stuff like that, it was all about stability, right? And it, you, we couldn't fathom doing anything. You know, I went, to, you know, I, you, you know, you take the civil service exam, you work for the state, you'll always have a pension, you'll always have a job, you know, or yeah, you my, work for my, the bank. My mother's parents, those grandparents, worked for the post office. Yeah, that's what you did if you worked for the government. You you know you are always going to be and they uh, had a great pension too yeah great that was it then you'd you know you'd work until set. you were sixty five and then you know you huh. you know that's it so you know so, so were you going to be a welder too or what were you no be? I I what I did I wasn't a very good student so so when I started going to school and you know in you know to the best of my knowledge you know my parents did want me to go to college it was always you know better yourself. And then I certainly took the easy route out, the easy road in college, which was I took, you know, sociology and psychology classes. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, I'll become a social worker, which is still I could work for the state. It was working for the state. I worked for the uh, mental health system for, you know, four or five years before I uh, started doing stand-up. <laughs> I worked at the Somerville I'm, Mental Health Center. I'm having deja vu of my uh, episode with Wendy Liebman. She did the same thing. She worked for, uh, was it Radcliffe or Harvard? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah, I mean that's exactly you know how it it happened, and then you know that business became crazy, and and I loved comedy, and so what what turned the switch for you to to actually jump into the scene? I th- I think I think I think if if the comedy boom of the you know late seventies early eighties hadn't happened, oh that's gonna be pleasant. No, we're fine. Will that bother us? No, we're fine. We got right. the microphones. Uh, um, I think if you know it hadn't become local, mm-hmm. like it, if if there weren't clubs for me to get started at and go see comedy, uh, I think it would have been harder. I don't know that I would have had the what it took to you know move to New York and or L.A. without any foundation, right? Uh, you know, so who knows what would have happened then? But the you know the fact that my my job at the mental health center was very stressful. Uh, and you know, because you're dealing with insane situations and housing projects or whatever, and uh, the fact that I could go to the Comedy Connection and see it, and then see that it was just guys like me. I mean, that's the thing that attracted me. Like, because on television, it was all people I could not relate to. You know, it's like I get it, but you'd see, you know, these people. But then when I, you know, when I go to the clubs and see Barry Crimmins and Lenny Clark and Mike Donovan and 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 uh, Stephen Wright and you know, people started just a, a hair before me. I go, well, these are just, you know, guys like me. These are just, you know, people. Right. You know, and, th- and that, I think. <laughs> with the same accent, even. Yeah, with the same accent and the same attitude. You know what I mean? Right. That, the same, you know, they, they, you know. And when I found those guys, uh, it something really clicked. I mean, I go like, you know, because I thought I was a freak. Because, none, of, you know, none of my high school friends, are all, you know, they all went the traditional routes. Right. Became teachers, they became lawyers, they became, you know, this or that, you know. So where was the first time you got on stage? Uh, my first time on stage was at the old Comedy Connection, which is uh, in the, in the sh- uh, was it the, sh- not the Schubert Theater, uh, the Charles Playhouse, which is where the Blue Man Group now plays okay. in, yeah. in Boston. But that was... It. The first time I ever saw stand-up comedy was at a place called Tommy Mars, oh, which was in the, it was in the alley where the Orpheum is. Okay. It was a, a little bar, and uh, that was only because they had got kicked out of the. They were on strike or something from from one club, and then they moved it temporarily there. Now, how far away from that was the so-called combat zone? It, that know. was the uh, combat was zone. It was, yeah, there was not how far it was. We were, you know, it's like what circle? Sure that I'm not no, no, speaking what, out of turn. No, no, what circle of the of the combat zone? <laughs> you know, there was there was the at the time there was the the Milner Hotel, which mm-hmm. you could rent rooms, you know, by the hour, and mm-hmm. you were often walking by, you know, street people and whatever. And then it like it would it would have went. They called it the theater district, but it was you know it was like. Two streets over was, mm-hmm. you know, Lagrange Street and Washington, which was all, where all the strip clubs and stuff were. So, okay. So uh, it was back then. So, um, but yeah, it was Ground Zero. Does that make for a better atmosphere for comedy? Do you think? I think it makes for the. I don't know if it's better, but I think it makes for the right atmosphere. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it, it, there's nothing sanitized about it. There's nothing, you know. This it's, you know, and 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 I think stand up comedy was the you know the 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 bastard son. Of uh, of um, entertainment at the time, even though you know there's a documentary when a stand-up stood out. Yeah, it talks about the explosion of the Boston scene yeah. with Stephen Wright getting on the Tonight Show. Yeah, 
And you said that I you, remember that. I mean, we right, were, and you yeah. said you started a little bit after those. Yeah, days, it was so. like a year, a, a year after, a, or or so. I mean, the scene had been had been started, right? You know, um, but uh, you know, I, the, one of the first gigs I ever got was uh, because Stephen Wright didn't want to do his whole set. He got hired somewhere, mm -hmm. and he'd been out the night before, and he was a little tired, and. Uh, uh, he said, "If you drive me to my gig, and and do half my time, I'll give you half my money." <laughs> and I said, "Absolutely," you know, which is, you know, for the a only, young comic. Yeah, yeah, it's the only, it's the only play. I mean, it's the only way to do it. You jump in, you know, you say no to nothing, and you know that's how I, I've always done everything. Is you say no, you say yes, and then figure it out, you know. And your style is definitely different from Steven's. So oh, it's completely. Like yeah, it's not like you're going to get the same thing. I right. mean, you know, and I don't even believe I was remotely funny at that point. I just, you know, had the courage to go up and talk for a while, you know. Uh, you've been friends with Bob Goldthwait. For a long time. For a long time. Yeah. Is it because you guys both came in a year or two after everybody else? Yeah. The, the, you know, the way we remember that story, and we've said this a bunch of times, so, so you know, I, I don't know if it's exactly this way. You know, time, we'll, we'll measure time this is, version of the story with all the others. Yeah, which is his first night in town, mm -hmm. in Boston. He'd, he'd been doing stand-up somewhere in, in Syracuse, upstate, upstate yeah, yeah. New York. But his first night in town was my very first night on stage. Oh. It was my first open mic night. Okay. And so when, you know, we were the new guys and nobody would talk to us or, or <laughs> it's not what they were being mean, but right. we didn't know anybody. There's an indoctrination period. Right. Uh, you got to get accepted, right. uh, uh, you know, to anything you do. And and so, and that's the way we both remembered it. So we got to assume it's, you know, somewhere close to the truth. Uh, and so we just started talking to each other, and and we'd been buddies ever since, you know. And and uh, you know he was, uh, you know, and our, our senses of humor, our senses of humor are very similar. Our way of presenting it, are nothing close. <laughs> was and yeah. uh, it was one crazy summer your first? That was card? my first. My my that's that got me my Screen Actors Guild card, and that was completely because of Goldthwait. Yeah. Uh, he was doing the film, and they needed. Uh, I had actually read for the big uh, the, uh, the football player ended up doing it. The Matusak, okay, John Matusak, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, ended up doing it. But I had read for that, and and uh, you know, by all stretch of the imagination, they were going to give me that part, you know, because I was a big intimate. I was bigger than the cast and and you know so I, I thought that's what I was going to do and then Matusak wanted to do it and they gave it to him okay and so because he, he, he was a name and a football player and, and you're and big movies. and movies you're right exactly and you know that you, so you, you you understand how everything works at first like hey I got a job oh no I don't really have a job I don't really know yeah. and then so they threw me a bone and gave me the angry man on the boat but you got your SAG card. I got my SAG card because I had lines, and, you know, I worked. And in that scene is is Joel Murray, mm -hmm. uh, Demi Moore, and John Cusack. You know what I mean? So you can't. It's not a bad film No, you, you know, you, to make your debut it. And we got along great, you know. You and Demi? <laughs> still, you still, <laughs> Yeah, she calls every now and again and asks me advice about who she should marry. <laughs>
I remember this. I you, you talk about remembering stuff. I remember. I think she might have been. She might have been twenty four at the time. I, she I don't. Been pretty young, yeah. Yeah, and she was complaining about being old. <laughs> you know, she was like, oh, "I'm gone. I'm so old. I can't." You know. I go, yeah. I've, oh man. <laughs> I've heard women in their twenties say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go. Oh, the rest is gonna be not a good haul for you if, <laughs> if you think <laughs> it's over now. It's just getting started. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's that's kind of a, a good segue for talking about a comedy career because, you know, you're in it for the long haul. I, I mean, yeah, you yeah, have to be. You gotta be. I mean, it's it's. But comics think if they haven't made it in the first year, oh, I you, haven't gotten this thing. Right. I haven't. Gotten oh, the, I see this I, festival. I right. haven't gotten this gig. I haven't gotten this TV credit. Yet. Right, right. And and here's the thing. I mean, everyone thinks there's a there's, you know, there's an end point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'll get this, and then everything will be good. And it's it you know it's it's not that I you know I had friends who were the same way as like their goal was to get the Tonight Show and they thought if you got the Tonight Show then you, you're that's it, but you know it's a constant work in progress. Yeah. You know it's hustling for the next gig and you know finding out where you can work and you know. You didn't you didn't stop when you got that Samsonite gig. No, I did not. That I just saw. <laughs> Sean, I just saw the guy. Who was the PR guy for that campaign? And it was at a it was at a a, a, a wake, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately. But I saw you. He goes, remember me? And I go vaguely. And he goes, you know, I work for Cone Communication. We did the gorilla. Ca-. I go, oh, you are responsible for launching a very mediocre career. I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you think that's it. That you right. know, I think uh, you know when I got the gorilla gig, the the American tourist, the gorilla. Uh, I had done a, a show and uh, we were in Anaheim, just uh, you know, inside the Disneyland or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the finals, and I, you know, I was getting introduced by Phyllis Diller, and I thought, like, oh my God, Phil, I, you know, Phyllis right. Diller, someone I saw on TV. This yeah. is this is gonna be amazing, you know. And then you go, oh right, I'm gonna be in a gorilla suit for four years, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it was. It, uh, Bought my house, so you know I got I get no. How long beef. did those ads run? Ah, uh, four years. I, I mean, wow. the, the ads probably ran longer, but I I was part of it for four years. Four. The, but the checks kept three, coming after. Three, oh yeah, three separate contracts and and uh, four years. Yeah. Yeah, and then we started making personal appearances, and that that helped my. That's what helped stand up because I would go to these cities to do like you know a store opening mm-hmm. or or. You know, a luggage show or something like that, and then I'd find out that, you know, there was an open mic at the, the you know, the the local ha ha hut or the right. funny bone or whatever, and I'd ask to do it. You know, they'd hey, I go, hey, I'm the American tourist, the gorilla during the day, and blah blah blah. Can I, you know, get a spot? And then I, you know, I'd, I'd do an audition set and then work those clubs. What was the last time you got in the suit? Uh, it was, do you remember I, the, what the two thousand was? It was. It was. It oh, was, it was in the two thousand. It was in the two thousands. Early. Well, wait. Yeah, it was. It might have just been two thousand, but I had not been in it for a while. Right. And then um, they called me because they wanted uh, Walmart wanted to do a special event. Okay. And uh, they wanted the gorilla that no longer existed. Right. And the suit only fit me. (laughs) It was made for me. It's not like you know. It's not like a costume. Right. It was my gorilla suit. You know what I mean? It, it was was molded. that a fun fitting? Yeah, it was. Oh, oh man, it was torture. 
it was it was to get fitted torture. for your own girls. Yeah, too. because they pour latex all over oh. you. They make a cast of you. Okay. You know what I mean? And it's it's all. I mean, and who knows what I was inhaling? This is you know back in you know the late eighties, early nineties, or whatever. Whatever. I don't know when it was, but <laughs> but it was a long. You know who knows what I they were sticking on me. Right. And then there's one part where they do your face and you got to breathe through noses, you, through your nose with right. straws. Oh, okay. You know, and I thought I was being buried alive. The guy goes, you know, a lot of people freak out at first. And I go, no, no, I'll be fine. And I freaked out completely. <laughs> you know, I was going, Dad, get me out of this. You know. So when they called you up, when they called you up in Walmart said they wanted you. Yeah. One, where was the suit? Was, uh, it in your, was, it, was it in your closet somewhere? No, 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 they, no, no. The, the luggage company—they owned the suit. That's okay. you know forty thousand dollars worth. Kept of, it. Yeah, they kept. Ooh, it's treated like uh, it's still treated like a, a shrine. You know, it's like uh, you know Batman. Yeah. When you see the he's you know it's like the suit's hanging and it's all lit you're, you're, and in a closet. Yeah. The gorilla suit is treated that way. Yeah. You're on a par with Batman. Yeah. I, is what you're well, saying. the suit, the suits, the suits. And did you still did you still fit in it? I had lost a little bit of weight at the t- uh, for back then, mm-hmm. and it, I mean it, it still vaguely fit. Okay. It, it it was so hot, man. It was being in the suit was the hottest thing. I, I it, it it's it was insane. I mean, I would often, you know, I I one time broke up with my my girlfriend at the time was my ended up being my wife. Okay. But I got out of the suit and I had so such a vicious head. Yeah, she had such a vicious headache and she was just, you know, talking some foolishness about, you know, how I don't pay attention and you know, it was long distance. I was in Florida and it was a million degrees and I'm in a gorilla suit and she's whatever it was and I, I go, you know what? When I come home, I'm moving out. You know, she goes, what? You know, because she wasn't. And I go, I, I can't take this. I, I, I all I want to do is take a nap and you're annoying the piss out of me. <laughs> You know, so I hung up the phone. I drank a bunch of Gatorade, took a nap, and I woke up and I went, "Oh, geez, what did I just do?" <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what happens when you you live the gorilla. Right, right. You, you turn in. Act- right. I was really into the role. Yeah. Yeah. If she was there, I would have flung poop at her. <laughs> I'm sure. Did, I'm sure I would have. Did it feel good to get back in the suit? That no, hated no. it. But they, but they made it. It's they made it such a tempting offer because okay. I said no. I said it, no like four times. Was it in Arkansas? Or, yeah, or? I went. I have been as deep into Walmart as you can be. I mean, it's like going to it's like going to NORAD or mm-hmm. or or you know you know the Pentagon. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to go through security checks, and that you walk through metal detectives, and you have to be—they—they they wand you for bugs, you know, to see if you're wired. Or, or I mean, it was not. They think you might be a spy from uh, Target. From yeah, whoever the competition. I, uh, it, it was nuts. And in the, in the inner core of this place is mm-hmm. like a gymnasium. It's like a, you know, it's like a, an amphitheater. Okay. And all the all the you know the uh, not the employees but the the higher ups the the management and they have these rallies and they all do the Walmart chair with the little squiggle and then you know I ran through the audience throwing out luggage and and you know little stuffed gorillas that was what they that's what they wanted because they were doing some partnership yeah. with with the with the company you know have you had any gigs since then that's matched 
it, it match on, on what <laughs> level? <laughs> and, and and are you shitting me? Yeah. Level like I, uh, this? Yeah. Yeah. This um, I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, I think that was. I mean, that that was that was pretty that that was pretty much it. I'd done some commercials. Uh, I I did one commercial that ran for a while, mm-hmm. um, and it was. It was, you know, at the, it was at the beginning of the whole uh, 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 phone thing, you know, when everybody started having phones, uh, uh, you know. And yeah, the, people there was, used to not all, all have, have phones. Phone. Right. Phone. Yeah, I had a phone at the house. Right. But when people started carrying these communication devices, you know. And it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I can't remember what company it was, mm-hmm. but they had their symbol was like a, 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 a an orange, like X with a little okay. exclamation point at the top of it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, what, what they it had money. morphed into, but they had a ton of money. And I did a commercial where I played the thing. I was the symbol. The, okay, the, They made a suit. It was me, symbol, yeah. uh, me in an orange the leotard. symbol. Yeah, with the big... With the big... In a leotard. Yeah, in an orange leotard. And then I had this big round thing on my head, mm-hmm. you know, which was the dot. And then the... My extremities were these, um, like orange, like giant boxing glove almost okay. looking things. Uh, Do you still have that suit? No, that no, no. And then I was rallying the troops about you know yeah. giving the the giving the speech, the mm-hmm. coach speech, and that, you know. So that that was kind of weird. Yeah, that was a little bit odd, yeah. you know. And then uh, I did a bunch of Wendy's commercials back in the day. Uh, one for their new spicy chicken. Oh, I played a pool good. hustler. That was good. That's good. And then I did I did about eight or nine voiceovers for Wendy's when okay. I was in New York. And then I think probably the the most recent, as of this broadcast, right. crazy thing was you getting on the front page of the news for sitting in oh for the, sitting the, in the street to to save the, a parking the spot. spot. Yeah, that thing this went last winter. Yeah, that thing went. I, I guess it went international. Talk, it went international. I yeah. mean, I I think somebody picked it up in England as like a real thing. Yeah, like they thought like somebody would actually do that. They didn't know it was a gag. <laughs> I I mean, from what <laughs> I would, gather, that you would sit out in the in street, street right. in the middle of a torrentially <laughs> hard winter, winter right. for Boston, right, right, snowpack all around right. you, right. That someone and, would actually. You're in your bathroom. Well, that's what they think of us in England. They think we're uncouth and ridiculous. But uh, the funny thing about that to me was, we, uh, you know, I was taking my son uh, to look at colleges in Chicago. There mm-hmm. was school vacation week. It coincided with that. We were supposed to leave on the Sunday, and we couldn't get out because it was it was awful. Yeah. You know, it was just snow everywhere. It was just terrible, and and um, uh, so we couldn't get out to that Tuesday. So the, the photographer from the Globe was coming over, and he goes, do you have any ideas for this? We need a photo for the article. I go, yeah, I got a couple ideas. I go, just, I go, look, I got to catch a plane at, you know, 1.30. Uh-huh. So if you could do it at 11, you know, we can be done. So the guy shows up, and I'm standing in the door in my, my underwear and, and my bathrobe, and he goes, did you forget I was coming? And I go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and my son's howling. I go, come on, I got an idea. He goes, I hope so. And I go, yeah. And then you know, it took all of it took all of three minutes. You know. Well, you know, you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. Now, this is the thing that surprises me all the time about me. Well, I'll do something. They'll go, hey, that was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah. What did you think? I, 
they just let me on because I'm a nice guy. No, what? you're you're a talented comedian. Yeah, right. you have I a like good sense of humor. I like to think that. Yeah. I, I like to know what's funny. I think it's funny yeah. for me. You know, I I've been doing radio in Boston. Uh, you know, sitting in with the you know one of the popular morning shows, the Lauren and Wally show. Yeah. yeah. And and sit in with them regularly. And then about a year ago, they go, "Hey, you're really funny." <laughs> I go, "Let me get this straight. You've been having me in for 15 years." <laughs> Without thinking I was funny, is that it? It just it just hit you now. Maybe they have other regulars <laughs> that are or, or mediocre, right, I guess. where they're just part of the family now. I get right. I guess it's Tony. I guess we got to have him over. I, it's I Thursday. Know. It's Tony. Yeah, Tony, Day. Dad. I don't know. You know, but you know. Uh, what is uh, what's the last uh, what's the last best advice you've gotten? The last best advice? Yeah. Geez, I'm so used to giving advice. I don't, okay. I don't ever recall. So what's, so what's the? You know, thing I, you I gave myself. You know, how th things are weird, or, or like you have a thought and you go, you know, I should tell somebody this thought, and I go, well, I should tell myself that. You know, if I was gonna tell somebody else. Yeah. And I really, I wrote this in my date book just about, uh, about two weeks ago, and it, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing myself now, yeah. but the thought is, if you think your best days are behind you. They probably are, uh, you know, and and I really believe that that in order for me good. to keep going, yeah. I gotta believe I still have something to offer. That's good. Yeah, because if I don't, then you got you, you gotta hang it up. Right. You know what I mean? I, I can't rest on, you know, it, you know. People get when did you do Conan? Uh, my last one was two thousand and one. Why, why haven't you done any since? I don't know. You know, I we we just stopped. I don't. You know, I had four good ones and. You know, so I go, you know, maybe I should do that. Maybe I'll throw myself into seeing if I can get on Conan again, if I can still, you know, if I can, you know, still have something to offer. And and that's what made me think of it, that no matter what age you are, where you are in your career, if you think your best work's behind you, then you're going to not, you know, you're not going to try. Right, you won't have the incentive. You won't have, the, right, you you know, and, and you know, it's, you know, it, 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 the life's weird like that. I remember we were doing, I you know, I, I had a nice run. I did a, a TV show called uh, Brotherhood, yes, which on was on Showtime. on Showtime. And then right after that wrapped, uh, we got finished up, uh, and they started filming another TV show in Providence called Waterfront with Joe Pantoliano, uh, CBS. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a, a recurring role on that. Um, never aired. We filmed eight episodes, you know. And so that's then, a, that's a thing that yeah you did the work and i did the we we were eight episodes you were ready in. for the premiere party yeah ready to go and we were working on a tuesday and on a wednesday we were not huh. you know there was no forewarning there was no hoopla no you know people in suits milling around going oh, this isn't working just something happened they pulled the plug and it was you know it was one of the baldwins and you know mary stewart masterson and joe Penn. it wasn't like it was nothing right. it was just Network TV show. We had greenlit, blah, blah, blah. and you know. So the Wednesday we stopped. I went to work. They said we're not working. Go home. We'll call you later. That Saturday, I was at you know a VFW hall in in uh, New Hampshire telling jokes to you know forty people. You know, people go, "How can you do that?" I go, "What well, is this? What you gonna do?" You know what? I'm gonna sit around and go, yeah. "Oh boy, I'm so <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's over." You know, you just keep moving. Uh, right above you. On the Yo. wall, there's a picture of you with the Boston comedians at a softball field. Oh yeah, 
We used to play all the time. It's got to uh, be from the... That's, that's definitely the late 80s. Late 80s. Laura Keitlinger. Yeah. Chris Chino. Dennis Leary. Me. Janine Garofalo. Uh, uh, Dana Gould. Yeah. Phil Levovitz. Uh, Steve Bean. Can't see who that is. Bob Lazarus. Uh-huh. And <laughs> is that Louie? Yeah. And that's Louie. I thought you were saving him for yeah. last well, on no, purpose. Well, no, I just, I couldn't tell. That's Louie. Yeah. Louis C.K. What would you tell those people? What's that? What would you tell those people? How about throwing me a bone? That's what I, that's what I tell them. <laughs> you would tell them that in the late in, 80s? In the late you 80s. You would go back and tell right. them, hey, 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 me. hey, when you get famous, you guys, how about throwing the old man something? Uh, you were in that two-parter which, of Louis. Which they which I what the follow-up to that is mo- most of them have. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, uh, you know, I did an episode of Rescue Me yeah. uh, because of Dennis and have done Comics Come Home and the Rescue Me tour. You know, in these big venues yeah. that I wouldn't work ordinarily, uh, and Louis, and Louis, uh, I did two episodes of that. Uh, Dana Gould actually, uh, back in the '90s, had a um, a uh, uh, pilot that he wrote with me in mind, and then you know, and and then we read for it, and it never, it never went to any further than that. But he was thinking, he goes, "Look, I wrote this part with mm-hmm. you in mind," you know, and and. Uh, you know, which I go, hey, that's great. And what it was was it was a, a tiny baby with my head. So, like, and he was the only one, and I would, we would converse, <laughs> and no one else could, you know, hear. Everyone else who looked at it, it was just a baby. Right. And then the, he, when he talked, it would be my head on a little baby. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, it, I don't know. Way ahead of its time. The one person that uh, is not in that picture, but I want to mention is Billy Burr. Yeah. Because he was given an award at the big Just for Laughs in Montreal. In Montreal, yeah, yeah. And couple, he yeah. asked you to be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. What did that mean to you I, to it, be there for that? You know, it, I, I have to say this, and I, and I said this on stage when I was presenting. I said, I don't think you understand how weird it is to have, like, the highlight of your career be because somebody else is good. <laughs> you, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? The only reason I was there... He could have asked anybody on the planet to give him that award. And he asked me. And it's only because I had the common decency when he first started to, to treat him with respect and, and recognize his talent and give him some advice, which was, don't hang around Boston and become me. Go, you know, go be you as, yeah. as quickly as you can. There's nothing. It's, you're only going to go so far here, you know. And he was all about the te- always about the technique, Billy. That was the other thing. He goes, "Well, you don't write any of your jokes down." I go, "No, not not really." He goes, well, "Well, how do you remember them?" I go, "Well, if you can't remember them, you shouldn't be doing them." <laughs> you know, and that's what. And then you know, the, and he's he's always been like that since. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's it. it. It was a great honor. It was a great honor. Um, it, it was so funny too. In this, it, you talk about you know people going, "Ah, oh, you're funny" or whatever. After realizing it. The Montreal people were not happy that he picked me. I mean, you know, I was on stage with, uh, you know, Nick Offerman, uh, the cast of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the head of uh, comedy at, uh, at uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. I mean, it was just all this uh, Andy Samberg uh, and um, what's his name? Uh, the fuzzy-haired kid that's uh, the big rage. Uh, <laughs> who am I thinking of? Uh, all right, Grandpa, see what you can do. 
Um, but they know. weren't happy that you were there. No, they were not. They didn't know, you know, because I've not a proven thing to them. I mean, I've done, you know, bits and pieces of, of the comedy festival, but never, you know, main stage or, or young faces or any of their things. That would be because, you know, they had a Boston show. I was involved in that yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, I would get all these, you know, these emails from them. Uh, you know, uh, we take this very seriously. You know, it's a very prestigious thing that you're involved in. Uh, you know, people dress nice. Uh, they only get two minutes. I repeat, we only get two minutes. <laughs> you know, remarks are kept at two minutes, and people dress nice. And you know, and did they think you were gonna just yeah, take, they thought I was take gonna over go, go and take filibuster a shit on the stage? <laughs> filibuster, and right. Throw right. a coup, right? And and then and this could be a Canadians Bruins thing, though. It, it could be. It, I mean, look, and I think people because of 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 my physical package think I'm like every other guy that looks like me, just loud and, and you know, and I like to think of myself as more than that. But, <clears throat> but I, there was a series of these, these emails leading up to the event. And, uh, each email, I would only respond with, you'll have no problem with me. You'll get no trouble from me. You'll get no trouble from me. <laughs> so everything they would send me, I would, the only response was, you'll have no trouble from me, you know? And, and then, you know, uh, when I got there, it couldn't have gone better. It, it, you know, it went exactly as Billy and I had planned, uh, which was not planning, <laughs> you know. But, you but know, the, the and then afterwards they were, oh, you were great. Yeah. It was perfect. And, you know, and, and I got to say this, you know, because I guess other people don't have much to prove. A lot of them, you know, didn't get the audience response that I did. Mm -hmm. And, again, it's, you know, they were either, you know, too heartfelt or didn't take it seriously or, you know, they were kissing someone's ass or anything. And I was just helping out a buddy, which is what I would do, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred times, you know. And I wanted it to go well for Billy. And we had a ball. Like, the, the, you know, being in Montreal, that we just had a we, – we'd go out and smoke cigars at night to this little Havana. They, they have this beautiful cigar bar. And then it was, it was just – it was perfect, you know. Well, Tony, th thank you for being a, a powerful example for the Boston comedy oh, scene. Thanks for thinking of me, and, man. And, I, uh, and I look forward to what you're going to do next. Uh, me too. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Thanks. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.